Welcome to Stock Stories, episode 55. Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Stock Stories Podcast. My name is Alex and I am your host. Thanks for joining me today. If you're new to the podcast, Stock Stories is the podcast dedicated to helping you, the individual investor, make better investing decisions. And we do that through case studies of real companies and by looking at mental models, what are the philosophical underpinnings of investing? And today, we're going to do one such episode. So we're going to talk about mental models. So let's get into it. We're going to talk about synergy. So synergy is a simple idea, and it basically states that when people, processes, or things work together, the value of the whole can be greater than the sum of the parts. So effectively, if you were to imagine this as a very simple math equation, 2 plus 2 equals 5. Now, of course, we know mathematically that's incorrect, right? 2 plus 2 equals 4. But at the same time, sometimes when we combine two different things, we can get effects that are greater than what we would naturally expect in a linear circumstance. So when people work together, when organizations work together, they can form a bond and create some unique results, some unique chemistry between the two that's greater than what you would expect. So that's a basic principle of synergy, and this can be found all throughout different walks of life. We can see it in people, we can see it in nature, we can see it in investing. And so we're going to go through a couple different examples just to illustrate this point. So let's look at the economics of a household, because this is one that is really practical and it applies to everyone, really. I mean, if you are a person living in a capitalist society, which you probably do if you're listening to this, then you are subject to the economics of your household. You manage your own personal finances and that determines to a large degree uh, your financial circumstances years from now, the way that you're managing your finances today. So, but one thing I want to look at is what if we tweak the variable of the number of people in the household, particularly people who are married versus people who are single. If you're single, then you're not going to have the same leverage effects or the same synergy effects potentially that people who are married have. And let me explain what I mean by that. So I found some census data from 2010, and these are the median net worths of Americans aged 55 to 64 based on their marital status. So again, these are people who are 55 to 64 
and this data is from 10, 2010 and it's their median net worth. So a single man's average net worth, $71,000. A woman's average net worth, 39000 But a married couple's net worth, $261,000. That's pretty, pretty big difference, right? If we were just to add up the median net worth of a single male, the average single male household and the average single woman household, we would get 110000 But in fact, that's not what happens. The married couple, average married couple in this age range has a net worth over twice what you would predict from a linear model of just adding those two numbers together. So what does this mean? Why, why are things happening like this? Well, it kind of makes intuitive sense when you start to think about the different factors. Um, so you have a potential for higher total income, right? If you have two people working in one house, then assuming they combine their finances to at least some degree, you're going to have multiples of a salary coming in to the home. And you're not doubling your expenses, right? You're getting economies of scale, which is another mental model. So you're sharing expenses, but you're bringing in more income that leads to more profit. If you view the finances of your personal household as a business, then your family should be running at a profit, right? And married couples statistically have been shown to be, you know, create outcomes that uh, show more wealth and not just in a linear sense. And then there are also qualitative factors like stress that can play a huge role. So some things that might not be found in the data, but are readily apparent when you just think about the practical aspects of living life. So for example, imagine a family where there's a mom and a dad and they have kids and say, the dad stays at home with the kids and the mom goes out and works and brings in an income. Well, maybe there's only one income for the family of four in this scenario, but the, the mom in this case is significantly freed up in her career to focus and get promotions, uh, maybe make career transitions, excel up the corporate ladder because the husband is staying home and taking care of, you know, there's no daycare costs. They can maybe teach their kids. Maybe they're homeschooling. You could paint the scenario any way you want based on so many different variables. But just one example to get you thinking, like that's a lot less stress put on the mom in this case where she can probably excel in her career much further and potentially bringing much more income than say another woman who is maybe a single mom and doesn't have that option. So that's just an example of, hey, when you have two people working together in a marriage, it can be a really beautiful thing because you can rely on each other and you can share your different skill sets in order to produce the desired outcome in in order for you to reach your shared goals as a family. So that's just one example of synergy. Let's talk now about nature. I always like to find mental models in nature because I think it's just so fascinating and and nature is just so fundamental to our experience on this earth that kind of just sitting back and observing it is really interesting to me. So let's think about water. So water 
it's the most precious resource on this planet. If we don't have water, we'll die within three days. We can go longer without food as human beings than we can without water. And in fact, our bodies are fully up to 70% made of water. So water is absolutely essential for life. So this this uh, molecule is is made up of H2O, right? So there's two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom bonded with covalent bonds in a very special particular way. And this creates water and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Now, hydrogen and oxygen are important elements in our universe and they have many different functions, but combined together in this particular arrangement, they have this synergistic effect of creating something so critical to life. Another example is parasites. So it's been observed that if you have parasites in a given local population, say you have parasite A and parasite B. And if you have parasite A in a given population, the population of whatever the victim uh, animal is will go down 10%, let's say. Whereas in another situation, parasite B, you have the same thing. The population will go down 10%. But if you have both parasite A and B together within the same population, they both have the same, I guess, host, they can cause far more damage than they would alone. So say more than 20% damage to a local population. So this has been observed in many different scenarios. And the reason I bring up parasites is I actually want to compare this to something within investing. So let's apply this thinking to how we can think about problems as an investor. Let's talk about disruption in the rideshare industry. Let's talk about disruption in the rental car industry. So there has been disruption and it's been accelerated by the synergies of Uber and Lyft specifically. So I found a data set, and I'll link to this in the show notes, of the percentage of ground transportation travel reimbursements in, uh, in America. And so ground transportation travel reimbursements, this is corporate, these are corporate receipts that are paid for, for basically business travel. So people renting cars, people taking taxis for work, people taking Ubers and Lyfts for work. So as recent as the first quarter of 2014, this is the data set, all right? Of all of the travel reimbursements that occurred in that quarter, 55% were rental cars, 37% were taxis, and 8% were Uber, uh, Uber rides. So Uber had small but not very meaningful market share, and then Lyft, frankly, wasn't even in the picture at this point. I mean, they were around, but as far as uh, market penetration, they, they weren't really there yet. Now, let's fast forward to the second quarter of 2018. How did the picture change? So rental cars only made, it up, made up two, 22% of the total travel reimbursements. Taxis only made up 5%. And Uber and Lyft combined made up 72% of the total travel reimbursements. So this is a huge change in the market in just a four-year period. Four years, and taxis basically became obsolete in the, the rental reimbursement business, in the travel re- ground transportation business. They, they've largely become obsolete. 
and rental cars, they still have some niche products and services that are being used and have held steady. But by and large, their market share has decreased too. And also, my point with bringing up this data set is that Uber was already penetrating the market, right? Everybody knows that. Uber was taking share away from taxis and rental cars anyway. But because of the introduction of Lyft, now you have effectively a duopoly in the rideshare business, and they have massively taken market share. They went from 8% total market share in 2014 to over 72% market share in 2018. Over four years, they dominated. So Uber and Lyft are the quote-unquote parasites of the rental car and taxi industry. So Synergy can work very well when two or more companies or people get together and exponentially take advantage of their strengths, right? So some people like using Lyft, some people like using Uber, but the chance that they're going to use one of the two as opposed to rental cars or taxis, is very high. So that is an example there. And this kind of leads us to some questions to ask when you're thinking about investing in something. One question is, what are industries that are experiencing rapid change right now? We just talked about the rideshare example. What are some other industries that are changing a lot? One that I can think of right off the bat is the marijuana industry is changing very much so in the United States, and there are many others. Artificial intelligence, data storage, uh, cancer diagnostics, uh, there's, there's a lot of things going on. Another question, who are the key players and are they working synergistically or are they cannibalizing each other's business? So let's think about this for a second. If Uber and Lyft were only focused on beating out each other, then that would probably be bad for consumers and rental cars and taxis would probably have a better chance of surviving or at least lasting longer. But because the market is so big for rideshare services, both Uber and Lyft, I believe, can be successful and coexist. Similar to how Coca-Cola and Pepsi They're basically the duopolies in the beverage space, and they both have thrived and succeeded for many, many years together, and they actually work together, even though they are competitors. So are the key players in the industry fighting each other, or are they working together? Because that makes a difference. And another question I thought of was, are companies you own actually delivering on the quote-unquote synergy that they talk about with their acquisitions. This is a really big one, especially for large companies, like the type of companies that we learn about on this podcast. Big companies love to make acquisitions. And sometimes those acquisitions work out well, sometimes they don't. And all the time, if a company makes an acquisition, there's no chance they're gonna say, you know what, this is probably gonna be a so-so acquisition. No, they're always going to tell shareholders, this is going to be a great acquisition. It's going to provide synergies and we're going to save costs and we're going to share resources and we're going to make so much more money. Okay, every CEO is going to say that, but we have to help keep ourselves and the board of directors and the CEOs that work for us as investors accountable by actually looking and seeing if 
the acquisitions that they have made in the past have actually been successful. And so looking at past annual reports, past press releases, this can be really helpful because it can show at a snapshot in time, okay, this is what management was saying was going to happen. Now let's look at today and do a compare and contrast and say, all right, this is what's happening or this is what's not happening. So it can be really helpful to think about things in this way. So think about Synergy from the perspective of how can this enhance your investments and also from the perspective of how can this help you avoid massive failure with your investments. If a company makes a really big acquisition, say they take out a lot of debt to buy another company and it's a total failure, well, that can totally ruin your investment, right? Because of that single decision that management made. It's very important to think about this concept of synergy. And also, I like to think about it from the personal finance perspective too. I mean, when I'm thinking about my family, I want to make sure that my wife and I are on the same wavelength as far as our finances and our portfolio and investing. Because if we're not, I mean, I'm going to lose out on her brain power. She's going to lose out on my brain power. And we're just not going to be as effective if we don't work together. So another thing to keep in mind there on a personal note. But yeah, so that's the mental model of Synergy. And that's all I got for you today. And we will see you next week. Oh, and if you want to reach out to me, alex at stockstoriespodcast.com. You can always email me there or on Instagram at stockstories one And if you can, please be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. presented here on stock stories is for informational educational and entertainment purposes only you and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions please consult an appropriate tax legal or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances